are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt. We are coming to you on September 28th of 2021. This is going to be episode 54 of the podcast. Uh, we're going to go over a injury that we had happen to one of our division leaders, a uh, insane win streak that has brought a team back into playoff contention. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about teams that have clinched and what their success was this season. And then we'll jump over the series that we hit on last week and give you those last key series leading up to uh, to the finale this Sunday of the regular season. But before we get into all that, let's bring in Matt. How are you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. Um, been watching some baseball. I'm doing this uh, episode a little bit late because I was having a freaking meltdown about my Braves a little bit earlier. But, um, you know, watching that game tonight, they're playing the Phillies and obviously that's for the division. So, um, it was almost like watching a playoff game, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's been good. And, uh, just, uh, you know, also had a heart attack over college football on Saturday. That was not good. And, um, <laughs> well, it ended up okay, but I'm still kind of frustrated about that, but yeah, uh, good stuff. And, um, just, uh, you know, excited to talk some baseball and looking forward to this last week and postseason starts next week. So, yeah, it's coming right up to it. And uh, if you guys hear me have any connections or whatever behind the mic, I am watching the Dodgers and Padres on my phone while we're recording this. So um, also we'll see the Giants score. So I might freak out over that. But, but uh, it's going to be a fun week for sure. Um, you know, these races are, are tightening up. They're they're in crunch time now. You know, we have less than a week by the time we talk to you guys next week, which actually we're going to do that episode on Monday um, because the AL wildcard game is on Tuesday. Um, you know, so, so by the time we talk to you, that stuff will be figured out. Um, regular seasons will be over. All the races are going to be a final. It's, uh, so definitely an exciting week, uh, coming up for, uh, for the game of baseball. Uh, we'll jump right into, to what we have going on though. Um, one little minor news, which we mentioned kind of at the, the end of last week's episode, we kind of talked about the Mets, uh, thinking they were going to bring back maybe Syndergaard and a Grom. Uh, they ended up shutting DeGrom down today for sure, but they ended up activating Noah Syndergaard to start, uh, I believe, against the Marlins tonight. Yeah, he started, um, I think he pitched one inning uh, tonight, which um, obviously they didn't want to bring him back and have him throw a absolute you know, bunch. But, um, you know, I thought that was really cool to, to have him, you know, if he's healthy, to have him come out and throw an inning, show some appreciation for him working so hard to get back this year, even though it ended up being too late to um, – for him to really be of, of use to the team winning. But, um, you know, he pitched one inning, got two strikeouts. So, um, you know, it's good, uh, good, you know, good to see him back and recovered from Tommy John surgery. You know, uh, in fact, he almost threw an immaculate inning. He had only threw 10 pitches and had two strikeouts. So um, really nice, uh, you know, really nice return for him. I'm uh, sure that, you know, the Mets appreciate it. Let's see what happens with him going into next year. And if he's healthy for next year, he could be a big piece for the Mets to, to have that they obviously didn't have this year. So, um, we'll see, you know, it's good good to see him back. Yeah, and it's got to be a big confidence boost for Syndergaard, who's, you know, battled this recovery from Tommy John for basically two years now. Um, and he really wanted to be back earlier this season, and he just kind of kept having setbacks. Um, so you know that it's kind of good for him going into the offseason to get at least on the mound for one they might be able to throw him on Sunday um, for another inning or maybe two. 
uh, just to give him a good feeling before heading into the offseason, you know, where he's going to play off of games for so much longer again. Uh, so it's good to see Syndergaard back. He's absolutely fun to watch just because his stuff is insane. Um, so happy happy Syndergaard's back for sure. Yeah, you could end up seeing him being like uh, like when Zach Wheeler finally got over all the injury issues he had early in his career. Kind of similar, throws really hard, has a sweeping nice slider. You know, you could you could see that being a, a similar comparison. So hopefully he's able to come back and, and do really well. But um, you know, you, you, you love to see guys who have that kind of talent overcome the obstacles he's had to go through. So absolutely is. Well, from one person coming back from injury to another injury that unfortunately just happened, um, and that is for the San Francisco Giants, Brandon Belt, their first baseman, uh, got hit by a pitch, I believe it was on Sunday, ended up fracturing his finger, um, and he's going to be out four to eight weeks. And just so you guys are aware of that timeline, four weeks from today, as we were recording this episode, is game one of the World Series. So if absolute best case scenario, if the Giants were to make it there, he might be ready for game one of the World Series. Yeah, that's really tough for the Giants. You know, Brandon Belt's had a really great year. Um, veteran first baseman. I think he's what, 33 years old, maybe. Um, you know, he's he's been, a, he's been a guy that's been there for a long time, been on some of their top teams. And he's one of those veterans that's had a resurgent year for them kind of like Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey that's really put them in this position that they're in and you know it sucks to see him get hurt this late in the season um obviously it's not a situation where they could have sat him down or something to be in the, the division race but um you know they it, it really sucks to see that hopefully um you know hopefully he will re- his recovery will be quick enough to where if they do make the world series he he can uh you know he could be a part of that but um obviously a big loss for them good thing for the Giants is they do have a pretty good amount of depth. Um, you have a couple guys in like Lamont Wade, Darren Ruff, uh, not to mention, you know, Buster Posey that can slide over to first base. Of course, Posey can, you know, Kirk Casale can catch if Posey, you know, if you need Posey to play first base and, um, you know, Darren Ruff and Kirk and, uh, and Lamont Wade can, can handle that position pretty well as well. So, um, you know, that'll be something to look for this, you know, in the next, couple weeks or, or the next week or so to see how they handle that and then obviously um you know look at it for um you know the playoffs i don't it'll be interesting to see how they handle it whether it's a one game playoff or if it's a you know a a, a, a division series so yeah it sucks for him like you said they uh for sure they've had a an amazing year he's been one of the the leaders of that and as of recently they've kind of leaned on him more as a captain they've been playing a a thing or a joke around the thing of him being a captain of this team. And, um, you know, belt's always been an underrated guy for this team. Um, he's never the flashy star. He was never like Posey was or like Crawford. He's kind of just been the, the guy who's steadily there every single year. And you knew a guy would give you close to 20 homers, um, and would just be consistent defense at first base and give you a great at bat all the time. Um, so it really sucks to see that even even being a, a Dodgers fan, and I hate talking great about the Giants, Brandon Bell is a, a massive part of this team, and he's uh, he's definitely going to be missed and, and hurt their uh, their chances at trying to make a World Series run. Yeah, and one, one thing to kind of point out with, with this too is that if they do make the division series, this could make a much bigger difference in a series against the Cardinals than it would against the Dodgers because against the Dodgers, you're going to face two lefties for sure, and – uh, Kershaw and Urias 
but against the against the Cardinals, you're probably not going to face any lefties. You know, you're going to face Flaherty. You're going to face Wainwright. I guess you might face Lester, but um, definitely definitely would make a bigger deal for that for a potential Cardinals in LDS than than a Dodgers in LDS too. So yeah. Uh, and you just kind of mentioned the Cardinals, so we'll might as well jumps right into the next topic we were going to say, and that's that the Cardinals have won 17 games in a row. Um, before this stretch, they were thought, you know, out of the playoff picture. I think they only had like a, a 5% chance of making the playoffs at one time. Um, and that 17th win happened today, actually, in a row. They beat the Brewers in St. Louis. Uh, and that 17th one in a row actually clinched that second wild card spot. So we now know that it will be... Um, the Cardinals versus either the Dodgers or the Giants, more so the Dodgers right now. Um, and that, that game will happen in either San Francisco or L.A. Yeah, so uh, that's really interesting. And, you know, I, I'm honestly shocked that the Cardinals have put that together. Um, you know, in fact, if they, you know, obviously they got like five games left, they could win. If they win two of them, they'll get to 90 wins. So that, that's really impressive for that team where they were at to get to 90 wins. But, uh, you know, very good season for, for them. Much better than I you know, I could have possibly thought. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll see them. We'll see what they're able to pull off here coming into the, coming into the uh, you know, into the wild card game and see who their opponent's going to be. Obviously, I think everyone would like their chances a little bit better facing the, the Giants than they would the Dodgers. But, um, you know, it's going to be tough, you know, when – when you win, you know, as many games as they've won in a row. And then, uh, you know, you're going to have a one game to, we got to win one more, you know, it's like, man, it's, that's, that's going to be tough, but, uh, very interesting. Uh, good for them. I mean, uh, you know, it's a story of a lot of veteran. It's kind of like the giants, a lot of veteran players that were able to put it together, you know, at the end of the year, Wainwright, Goldschmidt, some of these guys, Arenado, some of these veterans have been, you know, just killing it here coming down the stretch put them in position to to make it into the uh you know make it into the playoffs so i wouldn't have expected it no it's it's kind of that that typical saying the, the cardinals devil magic it just seems like they were able to throw that on right there at the uh you know this past month or so and go on this amazing run to get themselves in when everyone counted them out so the cardinals are a scary team especially in a, a one game playoff if you have to face wainwright who's been pitching like ace adam wainwright used to pitch like that that's very very scary especially with the way that their bats have heated up um, as of late for sure but let's go ahead and let's let's jump over to uh to talking about our teams that have clinched the division so far and kind of just a couple players that we think um you know we wanted to highlight as maybe that we felt made a, a big impact on those teams um and we're going to start with you know the their nl central um, winning milwaukee brewers Who's the player that you feel, uh, you know, either gave them a spark or, or kind of just an underrated player that gave them some sort of an edge this year? Yeah, so, um, you know, first off, the, the Brewers, uh, I think we both picked them to win the division. Is that correct? Uh, let me check real quick. Uh, we did both pick them to win yeah. the division. Um, you know, they're, they're spearheaded by the top of that rotation. I mean, we knew coming into the year, I think everyone nationally had started to realize that Brandon Woodruff was really good. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people didn't realize how good Corbin Burns could be. You know, both of us have obviously been pretty bullish on him, and uh, he proved us right this year. <laughs> but, uh, you know, then, and the, the ability to put a couple other guys together in that rotation and then their 
depth of bullpen so important for them. But um, really, the guy that I decided to pick for them as, a, as an MVP, um, this is a team that has a great record. I mean, they're, they would right, be right in the running for the one seed in normal years when there's not like teams that are going to win 105 games. But um, but the, the team, the guy I picked was Willie Adamas, and they picked him up early in the season from the Rays, who you know he was blocking a couple of prospects that. Uh, well, one of the prospects we'll be talking about here in a few minutes that he was blocking, but, um, you know, he's blocking, um, he was obviously blocking, uh, you know, Wander Franco and, um, and, uh, Taylor Walls, who's, you know, shortstop. And so they have, you know, he was, he was blocking a couple guys and, you know, he was kind of expendable for the Rays. They had, he had had some good, done some good things in, in Tampa Bay, but he hadn't really broken out to a high, high level yet. Um, you know, they traded him to to Milwaukee for a couple of relievers, uh, J.P. Fireson and I believe Rasmussen was the other one that got traded there. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, you know, and all Willie Adamas has done is come in and put up four wins above replacement for the for the Brewers. Uh, 121 WRC plus. He hit 24 homers. That's in 135 games. And with the, uh, you know, and that's with. The uh, you know th- that's part of that was from from his time in Tampa, but since he got to Milwaukee, you know he's put up 3.8 out of that four WAR and 94 games, and he's been absolutely bonkers since he got to Milwaukee. Uh, 138 WRC plus with the Brewers, um, just a guy who he's carried their offense for most of the most of the year, and, and not to mention the fact that he's a really solid defender at short. So. Um, you know, the question mark coming in for the Brewers was was offense, and we didn't know where it was going to come from. Uh, we thought that maybe a Yelich resurgence or a Keston Hira breakout or something might might be the might be the reason for that, and it turned out to come from a guy who wasn't even on the team coming into the season. So, um, you know, really great job for for the Brewers for going out making this trade and making this find, uh, and uh, you know fantastic job for for Adamas to come into this new situation and do extremely well. Yeah, well, and Willie Adamas has been um, he's been a guy who had previously spoke, been very vocal at least, at saying that he couldn't really see the ball as well in Tampa Bay uh, in hitting in Tropicana Field and when he came over to Milwaukee, you kind of saw that and if you looked at his home road splits before this year, you could see there was a, a pretty decent discrepancy um, and then now that he's got over here to Milwaukee, you've kind of seen that he's been able to keep that production that he had on the road pretty much everywhere now that I, he's playing in, uh, I forgot what they've called their ballpark now, American Family American Field Family or something. Field, yeah. Um, I'll always call it Miller Park. But now that he's hitting in Milwaukee, um, which is a hitter's-friendly park, but the the batter's eye is is one of the best batter's eye in the league. Um, so it... It's really nice to see a player who had been vocal about that, even in the years prior, about struggling to hit in his own home ballpark. Now that he did get an opportunity somewhere else to really relish that and actually, you know, prove that he can hit at a, a decent level everywhere, um, you know, that he at, now that he has had that opportunity. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty. I was gonna say one thing. I, you know, I had forgotten about the home road splits thing, and it's really. Remarkable the splits that he's had in 2019. This is just batting average, but in 2019 he hit 303 on the road and 204 at home. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And last year, obviously shortened season, but kind of backed that up. 324 on the road, 181 at home. So, um, you know, and this year, this year he still hit better on the road, even with a new team. But, you know, half of that was done at, you know, with, with, uh, with, the, with the Rays still. So I thought that's that very interesting. Yeah, it really is. Um, so actually the player that I, uh, that I decided to pick from the Brewers is uh, his double playmate, and that's Colton Wong. Um, you know, Wong has always been a, a solid player from his time uh, in St. Louis, and he hasn't really kind of been a superstar player, but he's kind of been what this team needed. They needed a little bit more of a grinder at the top, a guy who's not going to strike out a lot. Um, a guy who's just going to put the ball in play consistently, going to play really good defense at second base, uh, and just get on base, play good defense, put the ball in play, and even add a little element of speed um, this year. I mean, 11 stolen bases, it's not a lot, but when they were having like Keston Hero play there, who was terrible defensively, couldn't hit the ball half the time, was striking out a ton, and really had no speed to go with. Um, Colton Wong, has it, it's been a nice a nice uh what's the word I'm looking for? A nice kickstart for that team. Uh, Cause you put them more towards the top of that lineup. I believe they have them hit lead off a lot, maybe eight um, either one. There's both kind of two different lead off spots, but you know, he's just been really solid for them and, and a guy who kind of fit what they needed. I was really close to picking Omar Narvaez cause he's had an amazing year. Uh, you know, he got traded from Seattle a couple years ago, had a really down year was like one of the worst defensive catchers in the league at the time. And he's actually turned around to be a really good defensive catcher now. He's had a career year. Um, but I, I just think that Colton Wong has added just that extra little bit because um, he can. He has that speed and that element of just being able to put the ball in play all the time that kind of seemed like they were missing a lot with a lot of the swing and miss guys they had. Yeah, and you talk about Colton Wong as a guy who, you know, in, his, in the past has been strictly a contact guy with own base skills, a guy who can, you know, walk at a, you know, eight to eight to 10% rate and not strike out much. And, but he hit for no power. I mean, you look at last year, you know, he hit one home run in the 53 games. I mean, uh, 2018, nine home runs in 127 games, 2017, four home runs in 108 games. But this year, you know, a little bit of it's been a, he sacrificed just a little bit of, of contact for power and it's really helped him because his slugging percentage is up 30 points over his career high. Um, and he's also been, uh, has a career high WRC plus his, his strikeout rate went up incrementally, not a ton. His walk rate went down just a little bit, but, um, he's hit the ball a lot harder. He's got a career high in homers and, um, you know, it only a hundred, 112 games, which part of that was as a platoon type thing. But 112 games, he's actually put up uh, almost his highest career war season, which he's at his second highest right now. But he's he's never put up you know more than three war except for one season. He played like 30 more games in that season, 35 more games in fact. So um, you know, very impressive stuff from Colton Wong this year. And uh, you know, a guy who you know kind of was cast away. I believe he was non-tendered or, or had an option declined by us uh, hit by the division, but you know, by the division rival in St. Louis and goes to, you know, that's what happens when you decline an option. They go to a division rival and uh, they end up having their best season of their career. So um, good stuff from Colton Wong this year for sure. It absolutely has been. Let's go ahead and jump over to the other central and the AL central and go to the uh, Chicago White Sox. Who do you got for the uh, for the White Sox? 
Yeah, so the, the White Sox have had such a good season. Um, they've really been the, the one team that has dominated their division the entire season. And um, this guy that I picked is he's he's really the the number the the, the more unheralded of the guys that they got uh, for uh, in the Jose Quintana trade. But he was obviously he was a pretty highly thought of prospect in that deal. But um, you know they 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 got. Eloy Jimenez, who has had a lot of uh, a lot of publicity, but um, they actually got a they also got Dylan Cease, and, and Dylan Cease came up, started pitching in the big leagues in 2019, made his made his debut, and it was a little bit rough. Walks got him in trouble, um, you know, giving up homers as well. Uh, you know, a, a 5.79 ERA last year, uh, you know, not that much better. At least the peripherals were worse last year. His ERA wasn't that bad, but this year. Um, he's actually pitched a really good season. Um, he's been a kind of a stability, a stabilizer in that rotation because they have had injuries to Lance Lynn. You know, they had the injury to, uh, to Carlos Rodon had, had pitched a ton of innings this year. Um, you know, so he's kind of been that, that guy that's kind of stabilized. Giolito's been, been there too, but he's kind of stabilized that rotation. He, he's pitched, he started 31 games. He's pitched 161 innings. So, uh, so that's some, you know, really good numbers. He's still not quite as efficient enough to get up to like a 200 inning number, but you know, he's, pit, he's been there every five days this year, which has been important for them. And, um, you know, he's put up 4.2 wins above replacement, 12.3 strikeouts per nine, which is a really great number. Um, he does have a three, not 395 ERA, but his peripherals have said he was better. 343 fit. Uh, you know, he's, his walks are still just a little bit, a little bit high, uh, for, at 3.67 walks per nine, but um, he's a guy who has had a great year. And um, I think, um, you know, you look forward to his development because there was a time here, you know, a year or two ago where people were starting to worry a little bit about him ending up, you know, figuring it out in the big leagues, at least as a starter. And, um, you know, it's, he seems to have really figured it out this year. And uh, 4.2 wins above replacement is actually like top 10 in the American league this year. So, um, very, very, very good stuff from uh, from uh, Dylan Cease this year. Yeah, it, like you had said, he'd struggled with command a lot. Um, and he always kind of showed that strikeout potential, but never to this level, um, you know, at, at least in the majors so far, you know, his, his high being a, about a, a 10 strikeouts per nine, but a 12.3 this year, like you had said. It was fascinating because, like you said, people had really tried to, started to give up on Dylan Cease as being a uh, you know a major league starter, and he had only pitched 120 innings, rather roughly, um, before this year started. And to see a guy come in and in 31 games, you know, coming off 58 innings last year, which you would think that a young starter who has not pitched that many innings, they would try to baby a little bit, uh, maybe not unleash him, you know, to the max. They try and keep him right around 150, and he hasn't had to skip a start and he's at 161 innings right now. Um, that's going full bore into the playoffs. Uh, and they've kind of needed him to with the struggles that Giolito has had at times. Um, the Rodon who has been fantastic, but is starting to battle his own injuries this year um, as the season's winding down. So Dylan ceases, it's a really underrated guy for that white Sox. you know, being that number four pitcher for them and his peripherals compared to what his ERA is, like you said, a 343 FIP and a 368 XFIP compared to a, a 395 ERA. I mean, really solid season for a, for a young pitcher. Could be a, could be a top of that rotation guy maybe in a couple years. 
Yeah, and one other point on Dylan Cease is that, um, you know, I, I mentioned he was top 10 in the AL. He's actually top five in the AL in war for pitchers. He's number four behind, and the only guys ahead of him are uh, Nate Evaldi, Garrett Cole, and um, um, Robbie Ray. So uh, he's, he's fourth behind them, and he's right in front of his teammate, Lucas Giolito. So um, kind of goes to show you how impressive he's been this year. Absolutely. Well, uh, my player has something to do with Dylan Cease as well, and that's going to be his battery mate, uh, Yasmani Grandal. Uh, if you look at his his general stat line, if you go look at his batting average right now, you say a two forty five batting average, it's not that impressive. But then when you look over at his on-base percentage, a four twenty three on-base percentage um, and a five thirty six slugging percentage, that – the season he has had has been insane. You know, when he made the all-star team, I think he had like a 150 or 180 batting average. And everybody's like, what are you doing? Why, why is he an all-star? And then you look at the fact that he's walking 23% of the time this year. Um, and the power, I mean, he's hit 23 homers still, and he's playing really solid defense back there. I think he's really stepped up his defense um, this year. He's battled some injuries. I believe he popped his knee at one point, and it's kind of helped or stopped him from having to play so much catcher. They had to DH him for a while, uh, so the number isn't as high as what his career would be. But uh, just a, a really weird, underrated season for Grandal because if you, you just go off the general stat line, it doesn't look so great. And then you look at that on base, slugging, you know, a 163 WRC plus, that is by far his career high. I mean, his highest career one in any substantial amount of games was what 125 back in 2018 with the Dodgers and then 2019 a 121 uh so a 163 for Grendel it's been a big help for them especially when they had lost Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert for a big chunks of the year they needed somebody to be able to step up and uh, Grendel kind of took part of that rollover yeah I mean Yasmani Grendel for for most of the season was known as the guy who was like had the weirdest batting line ever and uh while his batting line still weird um you know he has just he's it's it was obviously partially bad luck too because he has just put up like unbelievable numbers in the second half and has taken his um you know his his batting line up to um you know he's brought brought his average all the way up to like 245 which you know after that first half you would have thought there's no way he was going to hit 245 this year so um you know, and obviously if he was able to play catcher every night, he'd probably be at over like five war, but he's been docked from DHing on the defensive value, which, I mean, that hurts him some. But that's just in 88 games, he's put up 3.8 war. So um, really a remarkable season for Yasmani Grandal. And um, a guy who, if he could put that up for a full season, would be running away with MVP right now. Yeah, and that'd be kind of funny to say, especially uh... – you know, with that low of a batting average, I wonder what's the lowest batting average a full-time position player has ever won an MVP with. That'd be an interesting stat That's to a look really up. good question. It might be it might be a Barry Bonds year because he had a couple years where he hit like 60 home runs, but he had a low batting average because nobody would throw him strikes. So he was walking like 50% of the time and hitting like 60 <laughs> home runs, and he just didn't get a ton of base hits. That or it's going to be some like 1920s player or something yeah, like maybe, that. So. But uh, that, that'll be an interesting thing. We'll have to look that up. Yeah, no doubt. But uh, let's go ahead and jump to the last team that has at least clinched their division so far, and that's over in the AL East with the Tampa Bay Rays. 
man, it is so tough to pick a raised player. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, they just – their their whole calling card is they don't have a player uh, that, that is just above all the rest. You know, they don't they – don't, they're not carried by one guy. They just got a bunch of guys. And, you know, most of them were either castaways from other teams or homegrown, uh, you know, young players that – a lot of which weren't really that high, highly rated of prospects too. But, um, but yeah, um, the guy I'm picking for them is one of those castaways I was talking about. And uh, it's actually Mike Zunino who in his career, you know, a lot of it's become a term in baseball uh, for, for catchers to Zunino out, meaning that guys who were super highly thought of as, as catchers, uh, catching prospects as Zanino was when he when he was when he was drafted and uh, as a prospect to um, to just never be able to make good contact with the ball and still do the other things well hit for power um, you know play great defense Zunino is one of the best defensive catchers in the game call good games but it's really really difficult for for these players to um, you know it's difficult to have them in the lineup every night because their bat just striking out 40 percent of the time and putting up like sub 80 wrc pluses and stuff but this year uh mike zunino has had his best career season um in 104 games he's put up a um, 135 wrc plus which is you know pretty easily his career best um you know maybe slightly you know, maybe you know, 2017 was pretty close to that, but um, he's put up his, um, you know, he's he started walking more than he has at any point since like 2016, um, and he's hit 32 home runs, which is a career high, and uh, all that while, like I said, playing some of the best defense at catcher in baseball, and um, you know, he's actually been a positive base runner, which is kind of shocking. So, um, you know, Mike Zunino has been fantastic this year. Um, you know, he's also handled a young pitching staff. Um, a lot of, a lot of different guys. There's, you know, he has to, he has to call the game for a lot of different guys and, and they, you know, pitch so many, not necessarily bullpen games, but games where their starter only goes three or four innings. You know, it's not technically a bullpen game because they do have a starter that comes out there and stuff, but, um, it's not like a one inning, then another guy for an inning then you know, nine different pitchers or something, but, um, you know, it, that can be difficult to call games with that. And the fact that he's done that framed pitch as well, have been great receiver and, and also, you know, has have his best batting average since 2017 this year at 216, which is kind of not great, but, um, the ability to do that still, still have a really good hitting line is, is very impressive. So Mike Zunino as, as a guy who you didn't expect to be the, the guy that led the Rays in war. And I think Brandon Lau actually has passed him. He's at like 4.6 and Zunino's at like 4.5, but, um, you know, Zunino's played 104 games and put up 4.5 war. So I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you talked about this being a career high in home runs, but then you look at that slugging percentage and almost 60 points better than his career slugging percentage um, at any point. So, Always been a, a really solid defender, not a guy who's ever going to hit for too much average uh, or get on base a whole heck of a lot. But, you know, when you're able to, to play really solid defense, you can put up a 564 slugging percentage uh, and call a solid game like he does with the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, that, that you know, that's really, really valuable. Um, and like he's starting to pick up some more walks even this year. And I believe he made his first all-star team this year. Um, yeah, I think I that was his first, first one. one. Yeah, he, he did make so. the all-star team. 
Yeah, I believe it, I think he even hit a home run in the game. If I'm not he mistaken, he did. He did. Yeah. So it's a pretty impressive year for Mike Zunino for sure. No doubt about it. But uh, the guy that I picked, uh, you know, you mentioned Brandon Lau. We could have went with him. Uh, we could have went with Randy Arozarena because he's had you know a, a season not quite what we thought he was from the playoffs last year, but he's had a, a really great season so far. Uh, but the guy that I went with is we kind of mentioned him uh, briefly about the Willie Adamas earlier, but that's Wander Franco, uh, you know, number one prospect in baseball. It's been highly touted that he was going to come up and he's going to be a five tool star, the next Mike Trout ish player. Um, and he's really come over or, or come up and not really disappointed in that. I mean, a 287 on bay or a 287 average a 350 on base a 476 slugging percentage a 131 wrc plus in 64 games he already has a 2.4 war uh that is in absolutely insane i believe he walked tonight so that makes either 41 or 42 games in a row that he's got on base um and it really just seems like he gave some extra little spark to the Rays. I mean, they were already battling. They've already been a good team. They were in the World Series last year, um, but they were right there in that race with the, you know, the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Blue Jays were kind of behind there a little bit fighting for that, that division. And then it seems like they, the Rays kind of just started pushing and everybody else started falling back. And it kind of lines up with right about the time that they gave Wander Franco the opportunity to come up. Um, and, and just kind of give them another dynamic and maybe just say that the Rays are never going to really be somebody that makes big, huge splashes. They did get Nelson Cruz this year at the trade deadline, but this is sort of a, a really big splash for them um, to be able to just call up that number one prospect in baseball and have him already be so good, even at so young. I mean, he's only 20 years old. Yeah, it really is impressive. And you talk about, uh, you know, you talk about the Rays. And it's so hard to doubt the Rays. I mean, with things that they do. Um, th- this guy is going to be, I-, I think this guy in Wander Franco right now is like peak Ben Zobrist. Like yeah. he- he's a switch hitter. He doesn't strike out a lot. He gets on base a lot. He's, he's a good walk guy. Uh, puts up a-, a really nice on base percentage. Doesn't hit a ton for a ton of power, but has some pop. But he's just going to get better because he's going to start hitting for more power as he, you know, goes into his body. Some. Um, this is a guy who I think is going to be uh, one of the most unheralded superstars in the game. I mean, because he, he's not a, he's not the most exciting player. He's not making like super flashy plays in the field. Um, he's not out in, um, you know, he's not hitting for like, you know, he's not hitting Stanton like exit velocities. He just goes out there, puts up really great at bats, doesn't strike out a lot. Um, you know, just does everything well, and uh, you know he's about a as good of a he's a, he's a, he's really a throwback player in, in some ways. But uh, I really like Wander Franco. I think he's going to be a superstar. Uh, you know, and he honestly the things that he does is perfect for what the Rays need. It really adds a lot of balance to have a guy with his with his plate discipline in that lineup. Uh, and he he's a guy that. You know, just he's, he's going to be so good and he's already good. But um, it's funny, you know, it, just to put a cap on the raise a little bit. And they, they it's so hard. It's we, we talked about as you know, they were we, we knew they were a good team coming in. But, you know, they were because the, they in the World Series last year and stuff. So many people doubted this team, including myself, after the offseason. They traded 
Blake Snell. They they declined the option on Charlie Morton, which actually probably was a mistake because he's been really good this year. But um, it's so hard to doubt them because, um, you know, they did those things and they honestly just got better. I mean, Water Franco's made them better. Uh, we could have mentioned a couple other guys too. We could have mentioned Shane McClanahan, who's been, you know, their best pitcher since Glass now went down. I mean, this is a team that is doing this without their best pitcher, too, and Tyler Glass now, who's been out since, like, you know, June. So, just to me, what the Rays have done is incredible. And, and obviously, Water Franco's and Nino Lau, those guys are all just a huge part of that. So, uh, really impressive stuff for them this year. Yeah, it's one of those, like, how have they done it? We have no idea. They just find some way. And it's not through, like, it's through multiple different people running that organization. You know, it started with Freeman and then it went to Heim Bloom and now Heim Bloom's gone. And I forget the guy who does it is, is the one that's leading it now. Um, you know, but there's been three to four different people that have ran the president of baseball operations or GMs there. And they just find some way to be able to do this. And as they find players, they just find these, you know, young front office people that, have the same vision as them and they're able to all break it down this way it's it's really fascinating to watch a team like the rays be able to go out there that don't have all the money and then you know put teams out there that can compete with the yankees and the red Sox and the dodgers and all these teams that do have the financial capabilities to do basically whatever the hell they want to um it, it is cool to see a, the the underdog be able to succeed at times like that even if they have to do some unconventional moves that nobody really gets at a time like you know trading a former cy young that cy young award winner that was a uh, you know if you would have left him in a game possibly would have won you a world series so yeah and it's just to me it's crazy because every time it seems like that the guy that they had ends up not doing well at their next their yeah. next stop and then the guys they get back for him end up be a best case scenario it's kind of like it's kinda like everyone talks about the chris archer trade and, and i think that was a bad trade at the time too but you know chris archer immediately became not good and then the guys they got back for him like tyler glass now was horrible in pittsburgh like he was like he came up and he looked like a complete bust and then he got to tampa bay and all of a sudden he was like an ace like i mean it's just it's that kind of thing that makes those deals look even more lopsided and then they'll make moves like trading matthew liberator for and uh and jose martinez for randy rosarena and you're like wait what are they doing what what is going on here and then jose uh randy rosarena almost wins them a world series pretty much single-handedly it's like man that's 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 some good stuff but um but enough uh enough talk about the rays we're gonna be talking about them uh you know going forward and into the postseason because obviously they'll be playing in that postseason and probably be the number one seed i think uh but the uh this week, uh, or this past week, we had some uh, really big-time baseball played. Um, and, uh, you know, some, some big series were played. We talked about them last week. Uh, the first one being the that, that we talked about being the Giants and the Padres. Uh, the Padres actually, you know, as they have the last few weeks with the tough schedule they played, were all, all their games they played last week were considered our, our series of the week, as we've been doing. But uh, Giants took two out of three against them, and that really cemented, in my opinion, the Giants in first place to, to be able to take two out of three in that series. Yeah, it, it is. The Padres, we've talked at length, especially last week, about how bad they've been. Um, you know, now they're officially eliminated from uh, from postseason. I mean, we, I had them making the wild card. I believe you even had them winning the division this year. 
Um, and that, I mean, I had Blake Snell winning Cy Young before the season. And I mean, you know, this, it's really just been a letdown season for the Padres. Yes, they have missed some time with Tatis, but this this goes way beyond Fernando Tatis's injury struggles because he's still been really good when he's played. I, I don't know. It seems like the pitching has fallen off, fallen off a cliff. You Darvish was good, and then the sticky stuff fan happened, and he's you know he's gone back to a four ERA pitcher of some sort now. Musgrove has been solid, but his last couple starts have kind of winded down. I mean, they have battled injuries throughout the pitching staff in general, but they you know they've kind of tailed off. The Giants have just been insane the way that they're able to spoil this this whole division run. I mean, we didn't ever think they were going to be anywhere near this. I think I had them finishing fourth in the division before, and they're up here <clears throat> leading the division. Like you said, this past week, it's pretty much cemented themselves as, as going to be the division leaders, uh, you know, and taking this, this NL West, anything can happen, but with their remaining schedule, they play the Diamondbacks who are one of the worst teams in baseball. And then they play the Padres who they've had a really good record against this year while the Dodgers are playing the Padres now, and then they have to face Milwaukee. Um, so, like you said, pretty much cemented the Giants as the NL West leaders. Crazy things have happened. We could It could still go the other way. But, um, you know, and then you look over to the Braves and Padres. Like you said, it was three and a half games, really. I believe you said that the Padres ended up taking that uh, rain-shortened doubleheader that they had had before, the suspended game. Uh, but the Braves took the other three, including a fantastic performance from Max Fried, which we'll talk about a little bit more here uh, in a little bit. But uh, And it really sets the Braves up for uh, one of the series that we'll talk about in a minute with the Phillies and the Braves playing in Atlanta. Yeah, so the, that three-game series, um, the, the Padres uh, took that, that suspended game um, as uh, it was a close game. It was actually it was, it was a one-run game the Padres with the lead when the game was resumed and the Braves tied it, but the Padres ended up winning it as a, on a Fernando, Fernando Tatis. It was a walk-off home run, but he had a home run in the bottom of the sixth of the seven inning game to uh, win the game for them off of Will Smith, of course. Um, but, uh, or the top of the seventh because, because it was, because the Braves were the home team technically, but the other three games, the Braves won, um, you know, it, it's, it's a tough, tough deal for the Padres. Like we talked about, um, you know, we could have a little eulogy for the Padres real quick, uh, as in, you know, they did officially get eliminated from the postseason, and I think pitching injuries had a huge was a huge deal for them because even even when you talk about you know like Darvish missing time or having the you know being bad since the sticky stuff ban, he also got hurt like right around that time and was not play, not pitching well, but he was also kind of banged up too. So we don't know if it was all sticky stuff or part of it was injury related as well. It's, it's possible. Uh, but uh, definitely something to something to look at. Then you know we, we kind of expected Nelson Lamette to come back and be healthy, and he never really got healthy, got in a groove and everything. Um, you know, so yeah, Blake Snell obviously underperformed. Musgrove pitched really well this year, but um, you know that pitching rotation just never came together, and um, that was something that was that was tough for the Padres. Um, you know, next year they get back Mike Clevenger, so that'll help them. Um, you know, maybe Lynette ends up being healthy next year, and we'll see about a 30, I believe 36-year-old U Darvish, 37-year-old U Darvish. U Darvish. So, um, you know, I think before the season, I kind of said that trade made a lot more sense than people think it did for the Cubs, and uh, I think people are seeing why right now. But, um, 
but yeah, definitely, uh, uh, definitely interesting stuff there. Um, you know, unfortunate for the Padres, you know, as they had a lot of high hopes coming into the season, but, um, you know, the fact that they just couldn't quite get that pitching staff together and the bullpen never really came together fully either. It was just, they gave up a lot of runs this year. So, um, they, they're going to have to find a way to, and I think they got enough in-house guys that they could maybe, maybe get there, but, um, they're going to have to find a way to, uh, to figure that part of the game out. They're not going to have a lot of money to spend going forward after the, all the huge contracts they've signed. So, um, that'll be, uh, that'll be tough for them, but, um, you know, looking ahead, um, you know, that, 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 that Giants, Giants series, like I said, it kind of s- planted the Giants as that first place team going into the last week. And then the Braves sweeping that series was huge because the Phillies had a really, really, really easy series against the pod, the Pirates, which I believe the Phillies won two, three out of four. And the Braves winning three out of four of the, with the Padres, you know, kind of kept them in front because the Braves were really struggling coming into that game, into that series. And, um, you know, kept them in that, at that two and a half games going into the, this week's series, which we'll talk about in a minute, but um, that was really important to win. I mean, they really swept the series because that suspended game was almost over, and they were down in that one to start with. So that was kind of more of like the game from a couple months ago. Padres won that series from that. The Braves swept this series, so um, you know, really important. That was a really important win for the Braves. But uh, moving on, um, you know, we had gigantic AL series uh, between the Blue Jays and the Rays, which I believe the Blue Jays took one out of three, uh, which, you know, the Rays uh, is, I don't know, is that when the Rays clinched their division? Um, I'm not sure if that's when they actually clinched uh, the division or not. It might have been, yeah. um, but it was a massive series. Um, Blue Jays are, you know, right in the heat of the wild card battle, um, and they need to get every game they can. Um, it, Obviously, losing to the Rays is not a thing that you you, know, you expect to maybe lose a game or two to them because they're just so dang good right now. But it was a big series. The Blue Jays needed something. Uh, if you look at, at the wild card race as it is right now, um, if Toronto was able to take one of those games, you know they're tied for that second wild card spot. So it, it was a massive series. They needed to get something. Um, you know, they needed to take two of the three at least to kind of just set themselves up. Although they do have a big series this week that they're going to have to, uh, you know, have to win some games on, but, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the blue Jays in just a little bit about this, uh, the wildcard race, but you know, you had talked about the Cardinals before they have their 17 game win streak and that included a sweep of the Milwaukee Brewers this weekend. I believe that was even in Milwaukee, um, for four games that they ended up sweeping. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Um, and I mean, the Cardinals just keep winning, and um, <laughs> really, really impressive stuff from, from St. Louis. Um, I mean, winning four games against Milwaukee means you had to beat, you know, at least one of their top guys, and uh, probably two of their, you know, obviously two of their top three, with their them having a five man rotation. So, um, you know, that, that's really, really difficult. But uh, to be honest, the you know the Cardinals had had made a run to know they could end up getting within three or four games at the end so one of the other series that happened this past week was really important in the brewer sweeping the mets um which was another series that we had put on the list uh that you know kind of finished off the division because i mean the way things were trending the cardinals could have maybe even made it interesting winning 17 games in a row but um you know and counting 
But uh, that was another series we, we did with Brewers sweeping the Mets. That actually was the Brewers clinch series, and I believe it, and that was when the Mets got eliminated from the postseason. So, yeah, a um, couple of couple of notes there, and uh, of course for the Mets, you know, uh, disappointing series season for them. I, I read something the other day that they have there has never been a team that had spent more days in first place and finished with a losing record. Yeah, I believe Heyman put that out. Yeah, I think it was like 105 days they spent in first place, and they're not gonna—they're locked up, not finishing over 500. And they're—I think right now they're nearing—I mean, they lost like eight games in a row. They won twice today, so that might have changed it. But yeah, that there's a chance with playing Atlanta this weekend that they finish 10 games under 500, which is pretty crazy considering the fact that they were, um, you know, that they were the team in first place for most of the season. So, yeah, very I mean, remarkable. considering all their injuries they had, um, you know, if DeGrom's healthy, yeah. if you get if you get a full season of, of Lindor, I mean, he suffered his oblique injuries. I mean, you never know, but it is a fascinating thing that, that you know, you have that team that spent so many days in there and now they're going to finish under 500. But yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, two of the other series that we had, which were, were big time series for each of these teams. This was the Yankees and the Red Sox was in Boston 4 three. Um, the Yankees ended up sweeping that and that put them, you know, in the top of the wild card standing by one game over Boston. And I believe I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but I believe it gave the Yankees the tiebreaker over Boston um, on the season. So if anything comes down that it might, that it's like even or something, I think it gave the Yankees the tiebreaker. So that would mean that the Yankees have the home game. I'm not 100% sure on that though. I thought I heard that somewhere. Um, But the other series that, you know, was kind of is, is impacted by that. And that's the Mariners and the A's, um, which was in Oakland for four Seattle ended up sweeping that series um, of that. And that's now put Seattle just a game and a half back um, of the wild card series. And that's, with the Oakland and Seattle again playing a three game series that started yesterday um, that Seattle took the first game of. So yes. the, the Mariners are making a late charge here with the blue Jays to, to really get into the playoffs. Um, you know what it means is pretty much them sweeping the A's pretty much takes the A's out They're three and a half back. They're going to have to jump two teams. I, that, yeah, basically out. I, I don't see that happening, but two big series with Yankees and Red Sox Yankees sweeping kind of gives them control over the wild card. Um, and then you got the uh, the Mariners sweeping the A's and kind of thrusting themselves back into that wild card scenario. Um, you know, you got four teams kind of within two and a half games of each other now. Yeah, pretty crazy. Um, you know, I look at the, um, the, the um, you know, that, that Yankees sweeping the Red Sox was such a big deal. The Yankees had really been struggling and coming in and being able to take, take those games was – it's just so so important uh, in at Fenway, um, you know, and really to me, I feel like that probably put the Yankees in. Uh, depending on what happens this week, they do have tough games this week, but um, you know they're going to play a team that's already clinched and probably will have clinched the everything they can clinch by the time they play this weekend, which we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, you know, and obviously when you sweep your top competition for us for the wild card spot that's important and they're now after tonight's game they're now two games up in the wild card so you know that it's with like six games to play so i mean they could obviously lose five in a row they're playing good teams but um definitely something to look for there as as that that sweep was big and, and like you said the mariners 
really cemented themselves as a contender again with that sweep of the A's. Um, and, and obviously that was kind of their main competition. We said that was an elimination series last week. Well, I think that pretty much eliminated the A's. I mean, maybe not mathematically, but I mean, there's too many things have to happen for there really to there'd be much chance of them making an end. But I mean, the Mariners put themselves in a position to where they really have a legit shot now. As if, you know, if you had asked me last week, I'd say there's really not much chance at all. So, yeah. And actually I, I updated my page because I had it actually off. Mm-hmm. So the Mariners are only one game, one out, game out as of right now. And the then he's beating Toronto tonight. Yeah. And the as of recording this right now, Seattle has a 2 1 lead in the fifth over Oakland. Yep. So if that holds, they could be a half game back. Yeah. Um, even so, it's it's really, you know, a really big thing. And, and that'll lead us into what we're talking about. I know we're talking about Oakland and Seattle right now, but you have the Yankees in the Toronto series. You kind of mentioned right there, they're playing for three. So this could be where. Um, I believe Toronto, this was the start of it. So this is the first game Yankees took Toronto have to win the next two. If they want a shot to, to be in this wild card race with Oakland playing Seattle and if Seattle keeps winning like that and then Boston, I mean, they play Baltimore. They, they lost today to Baltimore, um, but I forget who do they play this weekend? Who's that? Um, Who the Boston plays this weekend? Boston. Yeah. Uh, I think they might play. I don't think it was anybody really good, but I'm not sure. Sh- They're playing them. Nationals. Yeah, so they've got a really good shot to win those games. So they, they have a decent shot, although they did lose to the Orioles today. So yeah. um, it's no the slam Nationals dunk for still sure. better than the Orioles. Yeah. But uh, it, it's this wild card race is in the AL. You know, for all the NL, which we thought was going to be the race, and now it's kind of been wrapped up for sure with one of the NL West teams and then the Cardinals. This AL has given us some exciting stuff. Yeah, um, I, I would. I wouldn't even mind seeing a Seattle Toronto wild card. That'd be pretty oh, fun. Man. I could you imagine? Happens, but I know. But could you imagine? And that would be crazy. But if uh, Toronto take the next two, yeah, I mean they could do it. I, and and the Yankees have you know they have as we talked about with with that series, and then the Yankees also over the weekend uh, have to play Tampa Bay. So yeah. I mean, it's very well possible that the Yankees, you know, that they're going to, they got by far the toughest schedule in, in that, in that race, because I believe this weekend, the A's have, I mean, the, the Mariners have the, uh, the angels for three yep. games and the Philly, I mean, uh, not the Phillies, um, I'm moving on to our next series already, but the, uh, the, um, Red Sox have the nationals, as we said, and then the Blue Jays have the Orioles and while Yankees get Tampa Bay. So, um, you know, that's a, that's something where the Yankees have to take care of business against a really good team unless they win the next – now, if they win the next two games against Toronto, I think they're probably going to be in. Yeah. But it's it's not a it's not a sure thing by any means, although I, I like their chances right now to, to be in. But, um, but we'll see. Definitely interesting stuff there. Um, and if you want to look at, you know – the percentages here, the the playoff um, the playoff odds. The Yankees right now are sitting at a ninety four percent chance of making the wild card. Uh, the Red Sox at seventy five or seventy seven percent. The Blue Jays at twenty percent, and the Mariners at eight percent. That's based on the projection systems. I would probably hit the Mariners a little bit higher, especially with the opponents they're playing. Um, you know, but you know they got to they just got to pass the Blue Jays or the Red Sox, and they're you know just a, or they got to pass the Red Sox only. So they're game behind them. And the way the Red Sox are playing right now, the way the Mariners are playing right now, 
I think um, you know it does have a does play a factor there. So uh, definitely some interesting stuff um, in, in that AL wild card. Um, you know, and we we thought we might have some more. Um, you know some some closer battles right right now in in baseball but that AL wild card is crazy so uh and we could end up coming down to having tiebreakers too at the end so game 163s that would be interesting especially with some of the hatred between those AL East rivals so uh definitely something to look forward to there but um but yeah so uh, great AL wild card race yeah and uh the last little series that we wanted to hit on uh, and that's going over to the NL East um, battle basically for the division lead. It was going to be coming into the series, which started today was a two and a half game lead for Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta did take game one tonight, um, you know, really close, crazy game. Uh, they took game one. So now they're three and a half up um, over the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. So you look at tonight's game and it's kind of it's what you want to watch this time of year. You, you got your, the two guys, their number ones on the mound, uh, uh, Young, one of the Cy Young favorites, Zach Wheeler facing against the, one of the most experienced big game pitchers in baseball. And Charlie Morton was, was tonight. Uh, both teams kind of lined up their rotations to pitch their top three guys in, in, in this series. And, uh, you know, I thought and it's just, it's the kind of things you love to see a big home crowd, uh, it feels like a postseason series without it actually being in the postseason. And, uh, you know, the Braves, after that series we talked about against the Padres, were able to come in with a two-and-a-half game lead. And taking game one was really, really big because now it's impossible for the for the Phillies to pass the Braves if they take the next two. So the Braves would still have a game-and-a-half lead. Even the Phillies take takes the next two games, um, you know, and, and going into a series where the Braves will be facing the Mets and the Phillies will be facing the Marlins and this weekend so um you know if the braves win the braves can clinch with two more wins um in this series so if they sweep the series they officially clinch and with one more win their magic number will be down to one for for so either a braves win in the last four games or a phillies or a phillies win or a phillies loss in the last three games would, would clinch it for the braves so um really philly has to win these next two games have a legitimate chance as, as you know the Braves will probably win one one game out of the Mets this weekend or the uh and and the Rockies on Monday if if which is an if necessary makeup game so um definitely um definitely a big deal for for the Phillies they gotta win the next two games after after tonight uh and you know they just burned Wheeler up tonight too who pitched a great game it's just a low score and Charlie Morton pitched great too so um It'll be very interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, like I say, the series, this this division's pretty much wrapped up. If the Braves win one of the next two, um, you know, obviously that wouldn't officially clinch if it's just one of the next two. But uh, if the Phillies win the next two, it could get interesting because you never know what might happen once you get to a team that, you know, once you get to a team with the talent of the Mets facing the Braves, even though the Mets' record's terrible. Um, and, and, you know, Philly having to face that pitching staff of Miami, you know, what might end up happening over the weekend. So uh, if the Phillies were able to win the next two games, it could be a really interesting weekend there. But um, definitely, uh, definitely been definitely a fun series. It's almost like a, an early postseason series. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, you, like you said, it, fighting for that division, it gives you a post game feel uh, or a post game postseason feel um, this late into the season with a game like that. So. Um, you know, I watched the, at least I saw, uh, 
I saw a replay of how Will Smith struck out with Galvis and the crowd was going insane. Yeah, so. it was a, it was a meatball right down the middle. Yeah, Galvis just very good. It's so. pretty. It's pretty Galvis. So yeah, don't exactly. Think much, but uh, yeah, it, it's intense. Like we said, this these series, this wild card race. I mean, this pad, this next week is going to be absolutely insane. Um, I absolutely can't wait for part of it. I'm actually going to the Dodgers and Padres game on Thursday. Um, so that's going to be pretty fun for sure. Um, get kind of, kind of hopefully get a, a postseason crowd as we're uh, we're getting antsy for having to face that wild card game probably. Oh yeah, no but doubt. let's go ahead and jump over to our uh, our players of the week and wrap this episode up. Um, so who do you have for your hitter this week? So my hitter I picked this week was uh, actually Harrison Bader, um, you know, the Cardinals center fielder. It's a guy who in the past has been a little bit up and down when it comes to his, uh, you know, his, his bat. Um, you know, he's been known as a fantastic defensive player, uh, elite center fielder defensively, one of the best in baseball. But, um, you know, as a hitter, he's been kind of meh. But this week, um, which – you know, obviously you got like tons of Cardinals on the top of the list because of the fact that they won 17 games in a row. You got to have a lot of guys playing well for that. But uh, Harrison Bader's put up a full win above replacement this week. A lot of that, you know, defensively, how good he is in center field and base running wise. He stole two bases, uh, put up good metrics there as well. But uh, he hit 538 this week, which is incredible. Um, you know, not, not walking much, uh, 556 on base. He did strike out a bit. So, you know, probably a little bit of a luck ball on balls and play type week too. But, uh, you know, hit three home runs, which really isn't the main part of his game. You know, hit home runs at 324 WRC plus. Like I said, put up a full win above replacement this week. Um, you know, and that's in seven games. And, of course, that led the helped lead the Cardinals to all seven of those being wins. I had the 10 before that. And, you know, and that's still a something that's counting so um we'll uh, we'll see what ends up happening there but but harrison bader uh had a fantastic week and it was fun to watch yeah i seen a couple of his homers i think he hit two of them in uh in chicago one of them he hit completely out of the stadium which was it was an absolute moonshot and you don't expect to see that from harrison bader really um but that whole cardinals team has been really insane i mean you could you could mention Paul Goldschmidt right under there with, you know, in seven games as well, five homers, 10 runs, 10 RBIs, you know, 429 average, uh, 500 on base, uh, 294 yeah. weighted runs created. It's yeah. it's insane. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, just kind of elaborate a little bit more on Harrison Bader. Uh, he's actually put up a, a really good off- offensive season um, this year with – uh, he's cut his strikeout rate by 11% from last year, which is really, really nice. Um, and he, he has added a little bit more power to his game. He's got a career high in home runs. That's just the 97 games because of, you know, some battling some injuries and stuff. So he said he played 97 games, which his career high was 12 homers in 2018 and 19. Both of those years, he played over 120 games. And this year in 97 games, he's hit 15 homers. So, uh, definitely a career season for him when it comes to you know on, on a rate basis, but um, but uh, and, and this week just kind of put a cap on that and, and helping the Cardinals get to the playoffs and, and in his you know, having such a great having, having such a great season. So absolutely. Well, my pick for this week uh, is a guy who's quietly kind of snuck his way into maybe being the favorite for the NL MVP, um, and that's Juan Soto. Uh, absolutely insane week. Three homers in 34 plate appearances, eight runs, seven RBIs. 
a 455 average, but the big thing is a 647 on base percentage, a 955 slugging percentage, goes for a 292 WRC plus. Um, and the best part of his stat line is a 8% strikeout rate to a 35% walk rate this week. So that is that is absolutely insane. We were just talking about Grandall earlier that a year having like a 20 something percent walk rate and that that was insane. Uh, this week alone, Soto has a 35.3 and that's second to, to Otani, who's at almost 50 percent at 48.1. Yeah, so a great week for Soto, as you said, um, you know, I. I would I would think that he would probably be the favorite for MVP if his team wasn't so bad, but you know a lot of voters are, don't like to vote for a guy on a team that's not very good, so they'll go they'll look more at Bryce Harper who's carried a team that you know at least has been in playoff contention, and uh, or, or you know somebody like that. But um, although really the top three candidates for Cy Young, I mean for for MVP haven't really been in um, on good teams really on good teams. Yeah, I mean. So, but yeah, you look at, you look at Soto and I mean, what he's doing right now, um, it, it's really difficult for, for a young player like him to do the things he's doing on a bad team, because a lot of times they're trying to carry the team by hitting a lot of home runs, trying to, you know, try to do things, do, do too much. Um, but you know, he's been a guy that's willing to, when they're not pitching to him, cause the guy behind him is usually Josh Bell hitting or something. Uh, when, when teams are deciding not to pitch to him, he's just like, okay, I'll take the walks. And he's taking a lot of walks. He's, he already had a great eye, but now nobody's throwing him strikes because they're scared of him because he's good. So now he's just, I mean, he's going to put up astronomical walk rates for the next couple of years if, if that team doesn't improve. And uh, I don't think this will be the last time you hear about Juan Soto having 35% walk weeks. But, um, you know, very impressive, especially for a guy his age to be able to do what he's doing. Um, definitely something that is, it's really incredible uh, to, to see. So definitely, uh, definitely good stuff from Juan Soto, but, uh, who'd, who'd you pick for your pitcher of the week? Uh, so I went with a, a guy who had just come up, um, just recently and that's with Shane Baz at the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. We didn't mention him a little bit ago, but he's was another part of that Chris Archer trade that brought them Tyler glass now and, um, Austin Meadows. Uh, you know, he came up. He had a uh, this week a, a five and two thirds inning start against the Marlins. Three hits, one walk, nine strikeouts, no earned runs, um, and that's on top of his major league debut of uh, five innings. You know, two earned runs, uh, both being solo homers with five strikeouts. Kind of that that final piece of that trade, but he's a uh, you know throws a hundred, very strong arm, a guy who's looked really good so far, and if they can get this type of an impact uh, from him going into the postseason, I mean, that's going to make that even scarier, you know, because he's looking like a, a really, really good pitcher for them right now. Yeah, that's really good stuff. And, you know, Shane Baz is a guy that, uh, you know, we talked about Shane Baz, or we talked about that Archer trade earlier. Um, it's funny that we were talking about that. And another piece from that comes up. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Shane Baz, part of that Archer. He's the throw-in player to be named later in the Archer trade. That's how bad that trade was. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the fact that he was able to um, to put up those numbers in his big league debut. Um, you know, Olympian Shane Baz, too. He, he, he would pitch in the Olympics. You know, oh, yeah, I forgot ago. about that. Yep. And uh, just what an incredible – what an incredible uh, talent he is and the ability to probably – you know, be a, another 
hard throwing pitcher. They're going to have three guys at the top of that rotation that are throwing a hundred, two from the right side and one from the left side with McClanahan. So, um, you know, that rotation is going to be nasty coming up soon. And not to mention the fact that they still got like Luis Patino in there that hadn't really cemented himself at the big league level yet. So they, they just, that team is just stacked with young pitching and young position players. They're going to be good for a while, even with the fact that they won't extend any of these guys because they don't have any money. So um, definitely, definitely good stuff there. Shane Baz, congratulations to him on a very impressive start to his big league career. But, um, the guy I picked was uh, I'm going to go with Max Freed for mine, who he threw a complete game shutout uh, over the weekend against uh, the San Diego Padres. Um, which it was either for me, it was either between him and or Ranger Suarez, who also threw a complete game shutout. But uh, you know, Max Fried was against the Padres, and uh, Ranger Suarez shutout was against the Pirates. So I went with the better competition there, even though the Padres haven't really been that much better than the Pirates lately. But um, I uh, I definitely um, definitely want to talk about Max Fried because this is a guy that last year was uh, was in the Cy Young, uh, was a Cy Young candidate at least. Uh, he wasn't really one of the top two or three, but he was really good last year. And uh, he's honestly been, in the second half of the season this year, has been the best stretch of baseball he's ever had. And nobody's really talking about him too much. A lot of people talking about Charlie Morton and the season he's had. But in the second half, Max Freed has a um, a one – this is since the All-Star break – a 178 ERA, a 284 FIP, and a 308 XFIP. So he's been legitimately like an ace-level pitcher in the second half of the season. He's cut his walks way down, um, and he gets a lot of ground balls. Um, so, you know, he's got one of the best curveballs in the game. But, um, you know, you look at his ground ball percentage has been um, in this, you know, in the second half has been 58% ground ball percentage. And that's to pair with a guy who's striking out, you know, nine guys per, per nine innings. Which you know, you typically those two don't go hand in hand all that well. You, typically, guys who are getting a lot of ground balls aren't great strikeout pitchers, and and uh, vice versa. So uh, the fact that Max Fried's been able to do all that is has been really incredible. He's started to look like a guy who might be a long term top of the rotation level pitcher at the big league level, which you know he had not done consistently for a, a long stretch of time up until you know this year. So. Uh, we'll see if he's able to keep that going. Um, definitely fun guy to watch. Has that nasty curveball, throws hard, um, and uh, you know, definitely, definitely a, a large reason his turnaround has been a large reason the Braves have been on the second half push and have been able to take control of the NL East. Yeah, and I believe that that complete game you'll be able to know more. It was a Maddox, uh, yeah, wasn't it? Was. It? it was under um, hundred pitches, and I believe it was second one this year. Yep, it was. Um, so that's not often something you see yeah. either is, is complete games under 100 pitches these days. Um, and he's done it twice this year. Yeah. And of course, you know, it, it's one thing to throw one against the Orioles, which was his first one. Uh, but the, this one against the Padres, a team that does work the count a lot. Um, and it's, it's tough. From, you know, it's tough to it's tough to pitch a, a, high, a huge amount of innings against them. I mean, guys like Tatis, you know, works count deep, works deep into counts. Machado works deep into counts. You know, Grisham's always been a guy that works deep into counts, so that's that's even more impressive to do against the the Padres. So it absolutely was, and uh, Freed's kind of rounding into farm as uh, as the playoffs are starting to come. So that's good for the Atlanta Braves for sure. No doubt. 
Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, just a reminder that we are going to do next week's episode on Monday. Um, so you guys will be hearing it Tuesday because the AL wildcard game is going to be Tuesday night um, on ESPN. And then on Wednesday will be the National League wildcard game, and that will be on TBS. Um, so you will hear us a day early um, next week so we can prep you guys for the wildcard rounds. Um, and then we'll uh, we'll see about, I think the, uh, I believe the NLCSs and DSs start on like Thursday. So we won't, we'll have to talk about those after, um, after they've already started. Right. Point, we, but... we might do a, we might do a special episode or something. We'll, we'll, we'll try to figure something out for that, but, uh, yeah. but definitely, uh, definitely keep, uh, you know, keep, keep checking this. We'll, we'll definitely talk about anything like that on social media. Um, you know, if you follow us on Twitter, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun week. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in those, in the two, really, literally the two races that are really up for grabs being that, that NL West, uh, which, you know, although, the Dodgers are two games behind and the Padres and the, the Giants have that schedule. Um, I don't expect the Dodgers to lose more than one game the rest of the week. So if the, if the Giants stumble at all, the Dodgers are going to be right there. And uh, then you look at the, the NL East and uh, you know, you could potentially have a, I don't know how that would work if they had a game 163 uh, because you know the Braves would for that for that tie the Braves would have to play a makeup game Monday so I don't know how that would work but um, I guess they'd play it before the wild card game on Tuesday because they would have no because uh, there's no chance they would be in the wild card game but yeah anyways but yeah they that would be interesting and, and then of course the you know the AL wild card who knows what's gonna happen there that, that stuff's just crazy so um, definitely gonna be interesting and we'll see what happens uh, we'll see what happens the rest of the season I'm, I'm excited to see uh, excited to see what happens with uh, you know with with the with that with that AL wild card race and then you know see what the positioning's gonna be when it comes to you know the playoffs next week uh, you know maybe the who, who's gonna be playing who I think that's still up for grabs in the AL between the Rays the White Sox and the uh, and the Astros uh, so um, and then in the NL, I don't think that's really up for grabs because the nobody can catch the NL West West winner, and then the Braves or Phillies can't catch the Brewers. I believe. I, I don't quite think it is in the AL either. I think Tampa Bay has the number one seed already. Uh, they locked it up. I think so. So uh, yeah, the, I think the the other two games would just matter for um, the other two would just matter when it, for uh, home, home field. field. So yeah, that would still be fairly important, but. Um, but yeah, with the Rays record being at, uh, I think they have like ninety-seven wins. Yeah, they're at ninety-seven I think wins. Chicago's at like eighty-nine or something. Yeah, the Astros are still at ninety-two, so I think it's possible for the the Astros won tonight against the Rays. By the way, I think it's possible for the Astros to make it mathematically, but it's I mean they're five games behind with five games to play, so it's probably not going to happen. So, um, but yeah, so. Looks more like the Astros and the, uh, the Astros and the White Sox will end up battling for home field, but you probably aren't going to have any other changes there. So um, definitely interesting. Uh, we'll, uh, I guess, we'll know the, the the division matchups, division series matchups, at least two of them, uh, you know, really soon, and then uh, you know maybe it's even as soon as uh, day after tomorrow, and then um, you know the wild card. It's going to be really interesting. Like I say. Who, who ends up being the team that comes out of that, um, you know, 
it'll be it'll be crazy for whoever loses that NL West to have to play a one game playoff. Yeah, but, for a, for a team that's going to have 100 wins but, to have to play a one game playoff, yeah, they're going to have over well over 100 wins. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's possible. I mean, it, you could I say it's likely in my opinion that the loser of that division has 105 win or 104 wins. Like, you know, I, I think that's fairly likely. So. Um, you know, on a 104-win team having to go play the Cardinals and their devil magic in, in, in a one game with Wainwright on the mound, it's going to be tough. Um, but um, it'll, be, it'll be fun to watch a, a, a Wainwright versus Scherzer game, though, uh, you know, from somebody on the outside, two guys who are, you know, upper upper 30s, veteran pitchers who have been through so many battles. That, that would be a fun matchup to watch from a, from an outsider, you know. But uh, obviously, as, as a Dodger fan, I'm sure you would rather win the division. And, you know, I, I'm sure that, you know, the Cardinals fans would probably rather face the Giants. But um, I don't know. The Cardinals have had great success against the Dodgers in the playoffs yeah. before, so they might. Yeah. Well, not to mention the fact that if you're the Cardinals, obviously you'd like to make it to the NLDS easier. But, you know, I think your chances are if you if you get the Dodgers in the wild card, you're, I think you got better chances to beat the Dodgers one time uh, and, and not and, – and, and then and, and beat the Giants three, then beat the Giants one time and beat the Dodgers three. So uh, I, I think that, that that is a good point. And, and the fact that, you know, I think that that would be advantageous, even though there's a pretty good chance they wouldn't make it past the wild card. You know, the fact that they could maybe win that one game and then not have as tough of an opponent would be, would be helpful for them. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a fantastic final week to the season, and I'll look forward to it. Yeah, I am too. Um like we said, we, it's going to be fascinating. I think we've repeated ourselves probably 20 times of that yeah, in this episode. Yeah. But um, anyways, thank you guys for listening to blabbering us on so much, um, especially here at the end of the episode. Uh, but look forward to that episode on Monday, and we'll get you prepped for all the wild card uh, games. Uh, so this has been episode 54 of the Batfoot Podcast, and we'll catch you guys on Monday. Thanks, everybody.